1: Well, I am excited about our guest today. This is a conversation that's been in the works for a while. She's very busy. She has a podcast. She is on television, film. Very cool. June, Diane, Raphael, thank you for your time. It's such a pleasure to meet you.
0: Absolute pleasure to be here, Brett. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, my nine-year-old son would be very jealous that we're talking because 8-Bit Christmas is on oh my
0: goodness,
1: like play constantly all year round in our
0: house. Wow. So he watches Christmas movies outside of the season. He's, oh, one of he's those.
1: obsessed. Yeah. Like, well, he's one of those types that like when he watches something once, he likes to watch it over and over again. I so. understand
0: that. I was that way with Anne of Green Gables. Well, I appreciate that. And April Christmas, the epic Christmas love because um, it's a great movie.
1: It's just simply, it is. A, it's a Steve, simply a great movie. And he is a Nintendo fanatic. So oh, cool. Yes. So there's that aspect of it that he's very obsessed with because he's a gamer at nine yeah, years old, neat. amongst other things. But the whole Nintendo uh, thing is like the other thing that he's obsessed with too. So I think that's probably part of it. Uh, I relate I to that, that because I'm an 80s kid. And that's the type of gaming system I grew up with. Yeah. But I digress. So let's talk about this because you have this podcast with Paul, uh, which is so fun. How did that get made? Now, I saw, I think it was in January. Are you guys taking this out on the road now? Have you taken it out on the road? What's the deal with that? We've
0: done many live shows. Our L.A. home is Largo. So we've done a lot of live shows at Largo. I'm actually preparing to do one tonight. Uh, We'll be there for the next three nights. And then uh, we go to, we're going to San Francisco in two weeks. So we've done a lot of traveling with the show. We did a big tour over the summer and then we're going to the UK. So that's our, really our first time we're doing like an international type tour. Um, But the live shows and the experiences are just very, very special. The people who, you know our, our fans, our listeners are are just amazing and really come to play and are you know, showing up with like notebooks full of notes and <laughs> movies and in costume. and it's it's a really fun experience. So, yeah, we've had a great time going out live, especially during the strike. It was a great.
1: Oh, yeah, you know, that we, was my we next did sort of a mini,
0: Yeah, we did a mini tour in the fall because we could. And we were like, let's go to the East Coast and do some shows. And it was really, really fun. So we just love it, you know, the experience and getting to meet the people who listen. Um, Yeah. So, well, I want to yeah. ask
1: you about that because, Paul, we we're slated to speak to him for his night court appearance. He did a guest spot. Things kind of went wonky with that and schedules, I think for a lot of different things, but you both are very talented, creative people. You have the podcast and you have a co-host as well. I just have to ask, like, how do you even decide which film television show that you guys are going to tackle? Because you really do a deep dive on this and it just, it's a very fun improv type conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I want to ask as a fellow podcaster, like how sure. do you even decide, how do you go about so it? I, have not, I really
0: don't have anything to do with the decision-making. Um, we have an amazing producer, Alvrah Haley, who does a lot of the curating of the movies and she and Paul really do that end of it. And Jason and I kind of show up. Uh, we're very lucky in that way. And Jason Mansukis and I. So we, yeah, um, we kind of just trust that the conversation will be there. There's not, I mean, we all have our thoughts written down and the only thing we really try to do is not talk about it beforehand so that we can kind of exist in the moment. But yeah, there's such a shared vocabulary and language between us and we're all obviously I'm married to Paul, but Jason's such a dear friend of ours. The relationship goes back so many years we've all performed together over the years. So it's, it's just very, very comfortable. And um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of trust in each other that the conversation and the comedy will come out and we don't have to push it and um, we're comfortable with each other on stage. And yeah. So to answer your question, there's not a whole lot I do uh, except do the thing I love to do the most, which is talk. <laughs> that's all that's it. required that's, of me.
1: Yeah, I know. That's why I, I do this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sit because... and talk. Yeah. To sit and talk. To be
0: paid to sit and talk. Right, come on.
1: I know. And is that's there a, a better job? I don't think so. I no. mean, I think your career, other actors, storytellers that I talk to, I just think that's one of the fascinating things about it, but actors and standups or improvers that do this, because I feel like the conversation is just so natural and yes. you're not trying to be funny. Although you guys are funny. Like when I watch him with Ron, it's just like, Oh my God, you know, like you just kind of get sucked into the conversation, but you're being truthful and authentic, which I think is what at least from what I can tell makes people want to come out and do what they do dress up bring notebooks I think that's
0: right I think also you know what we're talking about is usually bad movies so right. <laughs> there's a there's sort of a universal experience of going to see something and like talking about it with your friends afterward and that's the sort of communal experience around art movies fil- whatever that theater makes it so special the it's shared and so i think that's what really the show it exploits is like everybody knows what that is and they feel that they're with us in that conversation and they are so it's um it's been a beautiful yeah it's been a beautiful almost 13 years of doing that podcast which is crazy yeah,
1: that is crazy. And crazy. to have something like that and have it last that long. Wild. It, sometimes I think during COVID, a lot of podcasts started up and were like the thing to do. And then they sort of died off when everybody was able to go back to work. Right. Um. But you guys have stood the test of time. One of my yes. favorite episodes, it's kind of a deep cut you guys were talking about the Jack Frost movie with Michael
0: Keaton. And oh, Snow Dad is better than No Dad.
1: Yes, that is. <laughs> I I grew up. Well, yeah. I just. there's a funny movie. I remember that Snow Dad is better than No Dad, and this this whole idea of how this movie got pitched and what the meeting was like, yes. uh, and of course, you've got Batman I'm
0: remembering that. Yes. Um.
1: Which my even talking about my kid again, you know he found that movie to be really weird. He's like, so if you died, would you come back as a snowman? <laughs> that was like an honest a lot conversation. of questions there. And yes. then his mom, obviously, you know, she sends me text messages. She's like, so did you tell Jared that if you died, you would come back as a snowman? Oh my God. Yeah. So like, there's this we co-parent well, and we're like talking. About I love this. that. And I was just like, where does he come up with these ideas? But that's the creative side of a nine-year-old. He was like seven or six when we watched it. But yeah, any case, you guys just do so many things. You do specifically, of course, you know, I'm just looking at your film history and television history. You just showed up on an episode or two of Frasier, which was really cool. Um, The morning show. Uh, the Goldbergs. I mean, the list goes on and on of just a lot of things that you've done. I'm interested to know your story as far as like when you became interested in acting. Was it a show? Was it a movie? Was it a conversation with friends or family? Like where did your interest begin um, Mm -hmm. as an actor?
0: I mean, I think that I grew up in a family of storytellers um and not like professionally and I don't even know if they'd call themselves that but there was nothing I loved more than listening to my parents tell a funny story around the dinner table my mom could have us in stitches my you know my dad telling stories they It was just, we got a lot of affirmation, me and my sisters in our house, if we could make my parents laugh, if we could tell a story. And so I grew up feeling, knowing the importance of that and how, um, I mean, I don't think I ever thought this. It was just something that was in the DNA of our family. And then I saw my first play on Broadway. I Mise*, when I was probably in, I don't know, maybe third grade, fourth grade. And I, I mean, I didn't really understand all of it in the French revolution. This is that. But I, what I did get was how powerful it was and how much it made me feel. And I just knew I wanted to be up there. And that was it for me. I mean, I was like, how do I get up there? How do I join them? um how do I hear the people sing and it just was a yeah I started doing plays I was also very athletic as a child so that was always a big balance for me which was like are you going to do the sports teams or are you going to do the plays and eventually I just ch- chose the plays and in high school and I had a wonderful mentor in high school a teacher named Larry Waxman who really uh believed in me as a, as a, an actor and an artist and really encouraged me. And this is why, you know, people say, oh, high school drama teachers, like there's almost a, like a, it it can seem like a really, a a joke a bit, or they're such wild characters, but Um, My high school drama teacher is I I credit my entire career to him. And he's the reason why I pursued this because as much as I loved it, I didn't know how you actually did like how you made a life out of it. Right. And he, I remember him looking me in the eye after class one day, we had a performance arts class and, and he looked me in the eye and he said, if you want to do this, you can do this. And, I, 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 it, something clicked where I was like, okay, I get, he gave me permission to pursue a life in the arts because I was smart enough at good grades. I could, I could have gone a million different directions, but I needed someone saying that to me. And so, yeah, I'm I'm really so grateful for that. And then I went to NYU. I went to the Tisch school of the arts. I studied acting. I met Casey Wilson, another actress and comedian and, and writer and podcaster too. And we started collaborating together, started writing together. So I knew early on in my career that I wanted more agency than just sort of showing up and, and, and auditioning because it was so hard to, to yeah. just do that. And so that's really why I started writing in case I started writing together. And that was our secret backdoor into the industry because we were, we worked as writers before we really worked as actors And so, again, I'm really grateful for having a friend who was as ambitious, if not more ambitious than I was, and who really was like, who cares that we don't, didn't go to school for writing? Like, let's just do it. And so she was really brave. And we put live, live shows up together. We wrote a sketch show that got a lot of attention. And so, and then, of course, I found the Upright Citizens Brigade and started really, um, being interested in improv and comedy. And, um, and that opened me up to a million other different things. So I think that my path, my career path has been, I'm really grateful for, because I, the thing I'm most proud of is that I keep on sort of returning to my community and the people who I've come up with, the Casey Wilson's, the Jessica Sinclair's, Paul, Jason, We've known each other for, you know, 20 years over that. And so, you know, I think so many actors, you're so focused on yourself coming up. And what I've always said to like anyone who's, who's trying to pursue this is like, look around you in your class and see if you can't collaborate and work together because it makes the successes so much sweeter and it really does pad the, the rejections cause they, they come in and they're coming in hot, um, <laughs> and heavy. <laughs> so even at yeah. this
1: stage for you, you still are obviously going out and auditioning, but you took this path of writing with Casey, which she's the best by the way. And that has lent to your success. I would say is the writing part. Cause then you can create things on your own and get them out there. Right. And it probably helps like banish some of the rejection too, because mm-hmm. you're both in it together, which I think is so cool. That's
0: right. That's right.
1: Yeah. Very fascinating. So I want to talk about upright citizens. We're that's, I've had a few people on that were a part of that, Matt Walsh, a couple others here oh. and there that were a part of that class who was in your class at that time that you feel helped impact you as far as learning or uh, creating and in honing your craft as an actor and as a as a writer
0: I mean I don't know that there's a lot of the people who I you know were in my level 101 classes I I am amazed by I don't know you know Alex ferney is director I've continued to work with he's Paul and I are working with him on something he was in my level 101 class Susie Barrett, you know, there's a lot of amazing improvisers, but more than one people like person in particular, I think the skill that I'm, you know, I'm still learning, by the way, I don't feel that I've mastered this on any level. But what I really love is that idea of just freedom within performance and especially comedy and, you know, the UCB mantras for improv is don't think. So it really encourages you to get out of your head and into your body. And um, I just really needed that. I think that it's required a level of like, I mean, in terms of the Herald and the long form, there are people who do it. I, I never was able to like really succeed at that. But what I did succeed at and what I know has helped my career enormously was really Being comfortable as a performer with not knowing what comes next and being open to like any possibility and trusting myself. And again, not trying to be funny, not trying to like think through something, but really listening so hard that you can respond, that you can be in the scene in the moment and find the truth of it. So that's what i think what why i think ucb's training is above and beyond better than anyone else's because it's 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 comedy but it's not it's really about finding like the truth of the moment mm. and that's why i love it that's why i think so many great writers also come out of ucb and really good wonderful actors
1: yeah i mean just if you look at somebody's story like just researching i mean i know quite a bit about you it's just as far as what you've done and reading things but i think you should be having talked to others about that it really has helped them as an actor even yeah. comics who start out there but then totally. go into stand-up they feel that the improv background really helps them uh, especially in moments maybe where jokes aren't landing and they have to do totally crowd work. i
0: think on your feet yeah which and I also think- like for a long time, I think at the beginning of my career auditioning for sitcoms, it's like, you know, your character might not have much on the page and anyone who can infuse it with more life and comedy and jokes. And, you know, it, it, it is people are excited about. So I just think it's a skill that really, you know, and I also theater is so alive. And then sometimes you get on film and TV sets and it's like, you're doing the same thing over and over again. You have to hit this mark. It's so technical. It's so kind of precise. And it feels, it could, for me, it can feel really stifling. And I find that improv is a way to sort of like fuck up the energy of the space a bit and keep it alive and make sure that it doesn't like die. The scene doesn't die and feel stale. So it's such a great tool. Um, I
1: love it. Yeah, I love that analogy. I think that's a good way to really put it because it's like, I don't know. I mean, I have limited knowledge of what you do as far as just watching people work and talking to them and and researching and watching films and projects and things and creating those characters like we were talking about 8-Bit, which you play this mom, which is just like, it's, it reminds me of my mother almost in some ways growing up that way and not having a lot of money, but having these desires and a dad who's always sort of tooling around and and doing things and extremely relatable in a lot of ways. Well, Grace and Frankie is a big one for you. That was a great show and just so much fun. But when you get passed into a character like that, you've made it through the audition process. Like how do you, find yourself as some of the things that we've discussed keeping the character fresh and keeping the character relatable obviously the writing plays a huge part but as far as you and being an actor like what it what keeps you going and motivated to to keep things fresh
0: you know gosh well like it's interesting you said that about 8-bit because I was doing a full impression of my own mother um so I played I was like that I knew this character so well. When I read the script, I'm like, this is my mom. I grew up with this mom. I knew her. My mom was a school teacher. You know, my dad was a construction worker. It was literally like I was staring at my childhood. So sometimes it's so easy and it's more about just not getting in my own way and kind of like letting that be um, and trusting that I, she's there. I don't have to do much. Other times it's a lot harder and you know with Grace and Frankie Brianna is such a um powerful character and I had always had a lot of people saying to me like oh my god you're so much nicer than I than she is and being like really really stunned <laughs> and I'm like well I'm acting first of all but I have I guess to answer your question it's such a good question I think I have but I have her in me somewhere you know yeah, so I okay. I approach it like we're all capable of doing the worst things We're all capable of doing the best things. We're all capable of being heroes and monsters. And so I, I know that that's available inside me. We've all thought the worst thoughts you can think, you know, so I just try to find that within myself first. And that part of me who can be like Brianna in certain situations and in certain moments. And that's sort of what I was always trying to channel, but um. Yeah, so it's not like something outside me necessarily. It's more like I I truly believe that, and that's why I think acting is such a beautiful art form mm. because it's it's really affirms humanity in that way. It's like, oh yeah, no, we're all kind of, or at least I believe we all have uh, contain <laughs> multitudes, um, and and that's good news and bad news again. So many different things. Being married to a
1: creative. I'm interested to know is it a matter of constantly running bits past each other and doing all these different hey, things? Hey, so sorry I'm going
0: to I'm going to answer this last question Eli and then I'll jump off. I know I have okay. to get on that other call. Thank you so yep. much. Perfect. Yes, of course. I didn't forget. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry, do you want to ask the question again? Yeah, so let's I'll... roll yeah. it
1: back. So one last you question here. This has been a really fun conversation. I just want to know like you're a creative, your husband is a creative how does that work on a day-to-day basis? Are you helping each other with auditions? Are Me you do. running, writing past each other? I would imagine it's a very creative space.
0: It is. And we're very invested in each other's work. I mean, Paul has a book that's about to come out on May 21st. You can pre-order it. It's called uh, "Um, Joyful Recollections of Trauma. And so I was like, you know, I last week reading the final managed before it went to publisher so we we are very involved and love to work together it's but i'm sure anybody who's in this kind of partnership knows it's intense because someone's kind of always up and someone's kind of down and so you're kind of constantly trying to take care of each other take care of yourself um but the wonderful thing about it is i am and the difficult thing but i am just as happy if not more for him than myself and so and that's the beautiful thing about parenting, too, is it it's sort of takes the pressure off of I'm more free to fail and take creative risks because I have, you know, an incredible partner and children. And um, I hope he feels the same way that he is more free to do that, too. So um, I really love it. And I it's not without its challenges. Again, it can be a bit of a roller coaster. But I don't know how I would ever be with someone who didn't understand what it is to put your entire, you know, self into something like that.
1: Yeah. It's a very all inclusive giving career, like from the external to the emotional, the financial, like.
0: Say it brother, preach it.
1: Yeah. Like I always say, if I didn't do this, we would not necessarily be having this conversation even as an extra or a stand-in or even as a supporting character, we might say, say, hi, it's nice to meet you do our thing. But like past this, I would have no idea. So I get it. And thank goodness the strike is over. We can talk about things. This has been so much fun. Congratulations. Break a leg tonight on the show. If you're ever in the Denver area with your podcast, I would love to come check it out, June. Awesome. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much, Brett.
1: Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please
0: consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care.